Hey there, you're listening to episode 6 of Let's Talk About It with Khadija Aman. In this episode, I talk to Ian Skorodin and Patricia Gomez, the founders of LA Skins Fest. We chat about their organization and some ways they've dealt with setbacks and the many hoops they've had to jump through to get where they are today. We also talk about how they relieve stress and how they encourage others to. Then, they give some advice to writers trying to break into the industry. So without further ado, I present to you, episode 6 of Let's Talk About It with Khadija Aman. Enjoy! to begin with you guys introducing yourselves and give a little bit of a background of what you do and who you are. My name is Patricia Gomez. I operate the Barsa Foundation. It's a Native American nonprofit in Los Angeles. We have um, several Native American programs that we run throughout the year. We have the Native American TV Writers Program and also the Native American Features Writers Program. And we also run a Native American Film Festival. In addition to that, we also work with Native American youth in the summer where we travel to reservations and we teach youth how to make their own films and part of that is to encourage them to create their own content so they could go ahead and start influencing contemporary media to try to represent what contemporary Native American identity means. And my name is Ian Skorodin and I also um, work as the Executive Director at the Barclays Foundation. And one of my uh, roles there is to develop new strategies that help Native Americans <coughs> develop, is really to, to develop a bridge between the Native American community and the entertainment industry. And I feel my role is to, to strategize and develop programming that will, <coughs> make, will affect that. And so why did you start the foundation? Do you feel like it's your responsibility to help you know, people of color break into the entertainment industry? And, and so why did you create this like, program in order to do that? As a Native American filmmaker, when I moved here decades ago, I just saw that there wasn't a genuine connection between our community and the entertainment industry. I saw that other communities had built very uh, grounded and strategical programming and organizations and connections where they could really show uh, real success in their community. You know, um, and, and, and the one thing that they were doing was that they were really expressing that it was never moving fast enough for them. So the Hispanic community, African American, Asian community, all were always expressing how, there, yes, there were incremental gains, but it was never as fast as they wanted it. And that was important that they expressed that, you know, and we didn't really have the same representation. And I just felt like we needed to not only rise to the level of the other communities, but also, you know, our non-native counterparts, even, you know, uh, white people, you know, we, and we had to be better than that. So I sought out to make a film, as, as, as a filmmaker, I've been to many film festivals, and I wanted to create a film festival that I felt was genuine in terms of giving filmmakers a, a good venue for to screen their films, but then also the Native American community here would be able to engage with filmmak- Native American filmmakers, and would also, our filmmakers would also be able to engage with uh, the entertainment industry. So that was the reason why we developed the film festival and a lot of the programming. And to add to that, we first started the film festival. We, we, we established it in 2007. So this year in 2019 is going to be our 13th year. Every year the film festival grows. And now for the past, what is it, four years, we have been housed, at, housed in the TCL Chinese theaters, which is a, a huge thing, especially for Native, Ameri- Native American filmmakers that come to L.A. and have the opportunity to screen their, their content in a well-known venue. 
It's always exciting to watch. And also we have partnered with the Academy of Motion Pictures and they have been providing us with the screening space. So then that also adds value to our film festivals by you know, providing different spaces for Native Americans to screen their material. Well, congratulations on that. Can you talk a little bit about kind of like your struggles to get where you are today, to get to the TCL theater, to get all of these sponsors and kind of what kind of mental toll that kind of took on you and how you got over those little hurdles? Well, finding the TCL Chinese theater, that's more of Ian's yeah. part because <laughs> do you want to go ahead and discuss that? Yeah, that how was, I mean, well, that was. was, I mean, well, <laughs> you know, like when, um, you know, Patty runs the film festival now and I, I used to run it. And so I was always looking for new venues and our film festival was never really housed anywhere until, until, the, until we went to the Chinese theater. We had a couple, like we were bouncing around always. That was really stressful, having different screening spaces and just basically conducting like a program in each different space. And basically it was, you know, Ian, Ian and I who were basically grabbing all the content that needed to be like moved around from location to location. And that was really stressful because you're like setting up in each venue, taking the con like all the material down and then getting ready to move them in to a different space. And maybe we were like bouncing around to four, different spaces? Four or five. We would get spaces donated to us. So we would just, you know, so every screening program was just different. And so we would, like we'd have one at USC for student, Native American student filmmakers. We'd have one at the Autry to yep. close. We'd have, we'd open somewhere. Then we would know. partner with the uh, with SAG and then yeah. they would allow us to use their space and home was on Wilshire. And then from there we would have to go drive back to Hollywood and set up at the KCT studios. KCT studios. Back when, this, before Scientology, yeah, the Scientologists yeah. bought it, it was So then KCT, you're talking yeah. about like basically moving around and, and then, you know, throwing your screening up and then basically uh, taking all the materials down and then putting them back in your vehicle and then navigating back to the other space. So it was, it was a bit of a challenge. It was really stressful. In 2013 and 14, <laughs> uh, we moved into the into Regal Cinemas downtown. for And then we kind of saw the value of having it in one location. Two years later, we moved into the Chinese theater and we've been there ever since. And that's that was great. Um, that really, that's been a great relationship. The film festival used to be free. The like to submit was free. Everything used to be free when I ran it. But you know, now it's a it's a very big festival. We we do get hundreds of submissions. So now we do have to kind of address all of these other costs. We have to we have to meet the needs of our community essentially um, in terms of uh, always elevating what we're what we're doing um, at the festival. So that includes uh, elevating the the film festival in terms of the venue, but then also the apparatus around it the pitch workshops and, and then the award show mm -hmm. and... Yeah, well, we're always adding like different programs within the film festival and what the track is again is that we basically invite them to go into our studio and then the studio talks to them talks to them about internship opportunities that are available and then from there they also get invited to different screenings throughout the film festival and they get to present the work that they produce in the summer during the festival. Um, they also have like special receptions so they could go ahead and, and get to know each other because they come from different communities. So it's always nice to like see that unfold, especially because they, you know, like I mentioned, they come from different communities, they have different experience, but they want to become filmmakers. You talked a little bit about like having to tear down and build up everything when you're going to different theaters in the beginning. And so I was just curious to know if you had any like like mantras you would tell yourself to keep going when things got too tough, when you just got too tired of like moving from location to location where things just seem impossible? Like what kinds of things were you telling yourself to get through those times to get where you are today? 
well, now, like, those years are different mm -hmm. from now, but, like, some of the stresses that I, I've been encountering th through um, throughout the years now since I've been running, the like, the film festival is that we, our submissions um, have been increasing throughout the years, so then you, you as the film festival director have to, like, oversee some of the submissions, and um, and when you start receiving a lot of them, then you're like, oh my God, how am I gonna be able to like review all this content? Because you're talking about at least uh, more than 100 hours that so you have to actually sit there and, and watch it. And sometimes because uh, filmmakers, they have like submitted to the film festival in the past, you don't wanna say no. And you don't want to say no because you're like, you know, I, it doesn't mean that I don't like your work. It's because I can't plug it into the film festival. We just don't have enough time or space. So it's like saying no to someone is really stressful because mm -hmm. I'm like, you don't want them to hate you and you don't want to discourage them to not submit the following year. So you have to like put it in nice words. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, people, even though you put it in nice words, people don't read them nicely and then they just feel like it's an attack on their own, on their artwork. Mm -hmm. So... Dealing with that is, for me, like a little bit stressful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, so that's one of the things that just, you know, comes to mind now. I don't know about you. Um, what do you do? What was the question again? <laughs> well, it was like, what, like, so when you have those moments, like, what do you tell yourself? Oh, what do you tell yourself when to you. To keep going, or like, if you feel like you're about to give up, or if you feel like this is just too much, or like, I'm just a bad, such a bad person, like, what do you tell yourself to be like, <laughs> well, oh, the, no, it's fine? Well, the one thing is what, you know, like, we, we do have, it's like, you know, things that always go our way, you know, like in terms of programming, or like, there's, a, there's always something that we would have liked to have done that didn't happen. And you kind of use those things that when whoever s said no to you to get whatever it is you want done, you can still get you want, you still you can still get what you want done, but you have to just go somewhere else with it, mm -hmm. you know. And so the one thing that's most encouraging, uh, encouraging to me is when we get a new partner because it's hard to get partners, in, you know, from corporations. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a lot of people going coming at them and it just to find the right person. So whenever we do get a new partner, it's, uh, that's always very encouraging to me because it makes me... It uh, makes me realize that you know people believe in what we're doing, and, and these are strangers who don't have to do this, but they but they invest in our community, and that's always that's always a very encouraging uh, prospect. Mm -hmm. That's true. But sometimes, like Ian mentioned, when someone says no to you, it's like you're like, oh no, <laughs> and, and and it gets to you, you know, <laughs> and you're like, man, I'm like, you don't let go of that relationship. You continue to follow up like in months after it or like next year, and just say, you know, can you go ahead and revisit what I, you know, what I sent you, um, what is it, um, a couple months ago, and you know, please, you know. Um, Keep it in mind, so we, we could try to build that partnership. You we should start doing that now. And yeah. she doesn't fundraise, so she, she's. I, I good don't at fundraise. That too. I don't fundraise, but I do have like other projects. No, she. Outside. I mean, she. Do, I mean, she's a contract. <laughs> she does all of her contracts, so she has yeah. a lot of contracts. Yeah, I do like a lot of contract stuff. So yeah, she's to producing make sure. a documentary right now. Yeah. she got a, a, a contract from a tribe, so it's been very busy with yeah. that. Yeah, well, that's even stressful yeah. as it is because I'm like working with the, with well my. The documentary that I'm working with is with the Native American tribe in Colorado. So there are different voices within that committee that want the project done. So you have to make sure that you are making everyone happy because mm -hmm. once you get someone mad about something, then everyone gets mad about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that you're kind of, you know, are playing it. I don't want to say playing it safe, but making sure that you are able to communicate with your client properly. Because if you don't, and if they give you a hard time, it could become very stressful. So how do you deal with that stress that comes with that? Uh, I just, mm -hmm. I, I try to produce like the best, the best I can. Mm -hmm.
Well, the one thing that you do that is like on a spiritual level, Patty goes uh, goes to the gym frequently. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about so that. So I think that's, <laughs> one of, that's one of the main reasons she's able to deal with stress, yeah. and, and she's and she communicates very well with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, yeah, like Ian mentioned, I like one of the things that I do on side whenever I do have a bit like major project, I I I do go to the gym. I try to work on myself like physically mm-hmm. because it also ma- helps me mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I like, I'm currently doing. I'm I'm practicing my yoga, oh, <laughs> and, and I and I'm trying to do my my what is it? My head headstand handstand headstand. I don't know, but you know I have my instructor there helping me with the whole process. I'm slowly slowly working on mm-hmm. it, and it helps me kind of like de-stress whatever uh, work I have in mind, and you know whatever's bugging me for that day. I remind myself that I have to leave it outside, mm-hmm. and it's going to be outside once I leave that space. I could come back and deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I think that's one thing that people have a hard time dealing with stress is like not being able to exercise because I mean people have you know who have regular you know who have regular nine to five jobs it's very difficult to go and work out after you know mm-hmm. a, a full day yeah. of work to be like oh I'm going to go work out now it's, it's very difficult it takes a lot of discipline and usually you just want to take it easy and watch TV because you have to go to work the next day mm-hmm. so so it's, it's it can be difficult to maintain yeah. um, workout in someone's mm-hmm. schedule but it's very but it is a very great stress reliever mm-hmm. you know very much so so. Yeah, I'm trying to work on that because I, yeah, in a perfect world, I'd be going to the gym every day after work. But like you said, it's like mm-hmm. nine to five and mm-hmm. and then also writing on the weekends and all that stuff. So. Yeah. But I'm working on it. What is some more like general advice you would give other like writers and up and coming directors and producers like when they're dealing with stress or just breaking in? Like what kind of advice would you give to them? Especially a writer. You're kind of in your head a lot. And and, the, and some of our best writing can be when we pull personal experiences that makes it more the most unique and genuine sounding material when we're pulling our own experience. But those experiences can be positive and they also can be very negative and you could, you know, really, they could be cathartic to write about it or it could just be drudging up old emotions. You know, we, we put ourselves in that place a lot, you know, and just being in our own head. And it's just something that, you know, as people being in this industry, there's a lot of ups and downs and you just have to embrace that. And it does take a lot of emotional fortitude and not taking things personally, you know, working with the people that you'd prefer not to work with, mm-hmm. getting feedback, mm-hmm. you know, critique. Those are all could be considered very negative things, but, you know, handled in the right way. Those can be, you know, you can really turn those into emotional, foundational, you know, building blocks, you know, as an artist, because you're learning to deal with things and then also execute your art and, um, you know, and using those things in your daily, like when, whenever a part when somebody, I'm reaching out to somebody for possible partnership, sponsorship, what have you, and they say no, that just, you know, inspires me to want to get 10 more, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's, you know, to, to, to find some kind of success out of this negative thing is saying, you know, that person said no to me, but it, you know, but it, you know, it inspired me to go and do this other thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I recommend is when something negative does happen, you use it as a springboard for something else, you know, so. Oh, well, adding to that, I think that it's always important whenever you do get stuck is to go ask for help, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, you do, as a writer, I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of writers do have a lot of writer friends. And mm-hmm. then, you know, if you get stuck in anything, you ask your, your writer fellow, hey, you know, can you take a look at this? Can you give me a little bit of feedback? Mm-hmm. Like Ian said, it's not sometimes, you're not getting only critique, but sort of you're uh, sharing your material so somebody could give you a little bit of more input so that could try to assist you with the whole process of getting unstuck. So, you know, don't, don't be afraid to ask for help. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> Being a producer is just dealing with other people and mm -hmm. you just have to learn what it like to, you know, bend, you know, bend, compromise mm -hmm. and, you know, just communicate. That's, you know, that's a that's a tough job to be good at that. It's all about growth, you know, yeah. and and being like surrounded with like good people, you know, it's always important. Mm -hmm. But whenever I do have a project, and I'm, well, like right now I'm working in a pro like on this documentary, I want to surround with my people with it that understand what I want to do with my project, mm -hmm. and you know, and who could make my project look better. I want this pro like for me, I want this project to go smoothly. So like you know, bringing somebody that I don't get along with, and it's very difficult, or it's. Uh, a person that I have to be telling what to do like every single time then mm -hmm. I don't want to be associated with that person because that's mm -hmm. going to bring me stress mm -hmm. and uh, for me as a producer I feel that I shouldn't be holding like a person's head through the whole process mm -hmm. and like I sometimes I do think that you have to do that for with people but if you're paying them that's a whole different thing mm -hmm. <laughs> so like you know like I just mentioned just being just finding finding your your group your group of people that could mm -hmm. help you with the with with whatever you need to do Okay. So shifting gears just a little bit, I want to get like your perspective or your thoughts on like mental health and entertainment. Like what are your thoughts on that? What comes to mind? Do you have any like, advice for people dealing with like mental health while also trying to write or direct or produce or anything like that? Well, like just based on what I was saying before, like a lot of this is solitary work. Um, like if a director's reading a script, if a writer's writing a script, if a producer is trying to put together a script, there's a lot of alone time. Even if like a producer's reaching out to somebody or whatever, you know, there's still a lot of alone time. It's just dealing with that solitary time and embracing it. Some people, I guess, are okay with that kind of thing. Some people can't deal with that. But I think the that it's just there's that's the one thing that people don't understand about this business. There's a lot of the the time that the, all the things that we see on screen. There were people who sat alone in rooms for hours and hours, or months and months, or days and days, whatever years and years, developing this material. Mm -hmm. And there was just a lot of alone time. What you're seeing is all of that research and organization and everything. That kind of reminds me of one of the meetings that we had with one of our um, studio partners. Uh, in the meeting, what was discussed is that, you know, the difference between um, TV writers and feature writers and how um, TV writers are supposed to be in a room and they get to talk to others in the room as opposed to somebody that's writing a feature who has to sit there and write it by her or himself. Mm -hmm depending if he or she has a partner. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, like it was really interesting to hear that because I'm like, I didn't, never, I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. Just going <laughs> off of, I'm piggyback, back, um, I'm just repeating what Ian said. And just being just a writer and being within your own head and just an interesting experience, I guess, for you guys. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's a good point. Like, like mental health in the industry is also dealing with other people. <laughs> and I mean, not being petty because, you know, people who are in, Positions of authority for 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 their as long long as they can remember treat ever, can just be you know treat people terribly and not even know it and you have to let those things kind of just roll off your back because mm -hmm. it's going to keep happening and then who knows you know some you might you know individuals might be doing it to other people and don't even realize it you know you can you know so I mean it's it's just part of the human experience I guess and but it could just be more intense because this is supposed to be a creative medium but it's also a business you know and I think just mixing those two just makes us look at things very differently at an emotional level because it is an art form. Mm -hmm. Like Patty was saying, like you know, the the writers' room is is a much different experience because you have to work with a bunch of people and deal with personalities, you know, which which can be trying on your mental health. It has, it is on me all the time. <laughs> 
and then also is that what you're going through with the, the TV lab right now? Every year, <laughs> every year yeah. I do. Well, maybe this is well, it is well, like the, a therapy session. For yeah, you then. <laughs> maybe that's where you put it together. <laughs> so then the yeah, but like so as you said, like as feature writers, uh -huh. they could do everything solitary alone and just get notes and just base everything off of that. So that's a good, that's a very good point. But just dealing with people and then not and then dealing dealing with that solitary time as well can be tough. I think either or. So what kind of motivates you guys to keep going no matter what? Like with all the no's and like and you talked about it earlier about like, you know, going to the next sponsor and like keep going until you get that yes. And so is there anything else that you do to like keep going, keep moving forward? Well, every year, like I said, like we grow our programming. Mm -hmm. So we like watching them like just grow and unfold and then um, and meeting good people throughout the, the whole process. It kind of encourages you to keep going. It's like, you're, it's actually working. The reason we started our foundation, it was like, you know, the mission that we had is actually working. Mm -hmm. And and then just having people just reaching out to us and say, How, what can we do to help? It's always like cool because it kind of pushes you to continue going. Cause mm -hmm. I'm like, it's working and I can't wait to see what it's gonna become like yeah. in two, three years. Now, since we have like a, an office space, it's it's cool to have because then we were able to run our programs mm -hmm. and then we didn't have that a couple years ago and that was a little bit tough especially when running anything because mm -hmm. then we would have to try to find a facility that would be able to donate uh, whatever space and sometimes they couldn't do it so then that was a little bit of st a stress for us because then we would have to go and find a location for us to put up a, pro a program so we, we have a nonprofit. And you know, nonprofits, you know, typically, even though it's not for profit, it's, it's like a community based or a public charity, you still have to run it like a business. Mm -hmm. And so we're always, you know, one of our goals is to make sure that we want to make sure it's sustainable and that we are reaching out to new potential partners and new sources of support because, you know, they every, like all the partners we have today might just say no tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure that we're always finding new people to, to work with. You know, we don't get as much as our diverse community counterparts do. So we're always trying to build more programming so we can show that we're doing more than our, than our counterparts are and that we deserve more or just as much as, as you know, what, what they're getting. Mm -hmm. And that is a motivation to me is the yeah. convincing uh, developing new programming. I really enjoy developing new programming uh, because it's just exciting because, you know, um, to see what we what can come of it. You know, mm -hmm. we have the TV lab because that was successful. We have the feature film lab and now this year we're going to have an animation panel and then we're going to announce an animation lab this year. So just having the opportunities to do that has been really exciting. Mm -hmm. And whenever a sponsor says or a partner says yes to a new program, that makes me want to, you know, develop more develop more things because yeah. they, they have confidence in us and so. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the, also with like adding to um, one of the, our other programs with our youth program. We've been running that program since 2009 and we've been working with different um, tribes and the program has been growing since uh, last year. So interesting to watch because Paramount Network reached out to our program mm -hmm. and we were able to partner with them and we were able to institutionalized a film program through a, a public school part of a reservation in Washington and they really liked what came out of it that they asked us to work with them again this year and we were able to connect with the Native American tribe in Wyoming and we're going to be doing the same thing awesome. so th so it's yeah. like you know really exciting you're like yeah. oh my god that like <laughs> that success kind of like helps you mm -hmm. to continue going saying you know everything we're doing it's working yeah mm -hmm. so okay. 
Especially since it's, it's a network that's sponsoring it. And I know, and they made like a short promotional video yeah. last year, and it looks so professional. Yeah, it looks like, really is cool. That, <laughs> is that how we look like yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Anyway, so they're planning to make another short yeah. promo yeah. this year, and... Yeah, hopefully I don't I don't like being in front of the camera, so that's stressful for me. So I'll yeah. let Ian do that yeah. thing. You'll <laughs> be the it's the mm. picture boy there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, um, again, thank you so much for coming and sure. chatting with me. Um, of this is great, and I hope your words inspire a lot of other you know writers and like me watching you guys. It's very inspiring for me because oh, cool. it's like any win for any Native about heroes I'll feel like a win for me too. So that's awesome. I like to end each interview with a few fun questions. So, if you could travel to any time period, where would you go? Dinosaur times. I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm like a big fan of Jurassic Park, uh -huh. and anything with dinosaurs, I have to watch. And I'm like, it'll be so interesting if you can like you not know, go back in time and live with them. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's such a dork, but whatever. No, I thought about that. Too, <laughs> I know, right? I was like, oh man, like looking at the big movie, it um the long neck and the T Rex. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what can we go into the future? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'd like to live into the future yeah. when there's like a cure for diabetes, I think, oh, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Type 1 diabetes. Yeah, but then, <laughs> yeah well, yeah, whatever. And then like and cancer and everything else because as humans, uh, you know, we're, our bodies aren't made to stay, like we're getting older and older because mm -hmm. of science, medicine and all that. But our bodies aren't pr made to stay, to be around yeah. the, like all of us, you know. So yeah. if there's like a cure for prostate cancer, I mean, the romantic answer is like, uh, like during like like the the Second Punic War or something like that, mm -hmm. or or at, on the plane, like in the Choctaw Nation, like before contact mm -hmm. or something. But uh, we're in Mississippi; it was pretty hot <laughs> back then. So I don't know if I wanted to. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so what fictional character character do you wish you could meet? Hmm. From a book or a movie or a television? Ian from Jurassic Park. Okay. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, right? Um, yeah, I guess okay. Ian. That's what that was Jeff Goldblum's name in Jurassic Park. His name was Ian. Oh, okay. I know. Oh, right? okay. <laughs> and I was also a big fan of what is Independence Day. Oh. And, and, and Jeff Goldblum's <laughs> name in that was David. I know. And, and that's my name is Ian, Ian David. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> she just likes Jews. I know, right? He's awesome. Anyways, I guess. There's a crush on Jews. I, I just on that Semitic look. I, I just guess, like right. a smile. I think the rest of them is not. You know, yeah, what about that pose he made and everything? Anyway. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so what did you want to meet? You wanted to meet the, the, the chaos theory guy from, <laughs> from Jurassic Park? Yeah, I guess so. Thanks for answering for me because I <laughs> Wasn't there a cartoon you liked or like the Thundercats or something? Yeah, I don't even remember the, the names of the Thundercats. That was like in the 80s. <laughs> oh, I know who I would like to meet is Rorschach from The Watchmen. I liked him a lot. <laughs> and um. last question, uh, if you could live in any TV or movie, uh, what would it be? Well, that goes back to the whole Jurassic Park yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> I'm such a fan of the, like I said, like the dinosaurs and yeah. also like uh, was Independence Day. Even though that movie sucked, but that was the first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 like that was the first movie that I that I saw in the theater, and it, it was just pretty blew ground. My, it was pretty it groundbreaking. Blew my mind, and every time it comes out on TV, I have to watch it. It was pretty so groundbreaking. No one ever saw like the White House <laughs> blow up and all those things. Blew. That was the first time like th like that had like more or less right. we saw that. And then they had a stripper running up in the, in the <laughs> tower and uh, she was. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was amazing. That was one of my favorite movies. So. I'm into dinosaurs and aliens. Sci-fi man. What can I say? I don't know. What TV show do I watch? What do I like? I guess maybe Borok Empire. I kind of enjoyed that show. Yeah. I kind of enjoyed that world, I think. Mm -hmm. And as long as I'm involved in the politics of it, then sure, that's what I would like to be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
That concludes episode 6 of Let's Talk About It with Khadija Aman. Did you enjoy the episode? What was your favorite part? Tweet me your thoughts at underscore Khadija Aman and use the hashtag Let's Talk About It so I can see it. You can also follow me on Instagram at Let's Talk About It 20. Hope to see you there. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to subscribe for weekly episodes every Thursday. Bye.